1: Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of fat Nixon to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim.
0: And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at
1: this Christmas week is the argument from authority. Yeah, so this would probably more accurately be called the argument from improper or false authority, because okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay to invoke authority if that authority is actually a genuine uh, expert, an authority in the particular area that you're talking about. So the fallacy here is where people invoke authorities that are either objectively not reliable or trustworthy, or they are authorities but not necessarily at the subject you're talking about. So a really common version of this is the appeal to celebrity, which is why Smartwater gets Jennifer Aniston to to tell us that she uses it, and that means that we think that if she uses it, we should drink it. And if, if you know, Kendall Jenner is is on the Pepsi adverts, and, and even if she did yeah. drink it, that doesn't necessarily make it a better soft drink uh, for us. Yeah. So, but there's
0: also the implication that we would end up
1: like somehow, her. Yeah, somehow you rub off some of that celebrity. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Trump obviously yeah. uses his own celebrity, as as part of his yeah. appeal people basically yeah yeah a probably a large section of the, the American public voted for him because he was already famous because they knew who he was from the apprentice the... and things like that telly yeah
0: that.
1: and if you're famous yeah, yeah then yeah. obviously that must mean you have some authority you you have some reason for people to listen to what you have to say
0: yeah whereas actually it just means that you've got lots of currency and people recognise you. So perhaps as part of it is, oh, I recognise him, yeah. I know him, I've heard him before, and I like what he says. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm unaware that... Jennifer Aniston plays a character and somebody else writes it for her. Um, And possibly the same for Trump.
1: Who knows? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. certainly on The Apprentice, that was probably the case. Um, But Trump, of course, doesn't just rely on his own celebrity. He also likes to invoke uh, other celebrities from time to time.
0: Tom Brady likes me. What can I tell you? I think so. If Tom Brady likes you, you're in pretty good shape.
1: So this was during the campaign. He was talking about how Tom Brady was kind of endorsing him as president. Tom Brady is... I'm sorry to all the people who don't like Tom Brady. He is a great football player. He just is. He's an expert. He's an expert in in football. football. He's an expert quarterback, but doesn't necessarily know any more than you do about what would make someone a good president. And so we shouldn't probably give his opinion any weight when we're deciding who to vote for. Yeah. But that's that's what Trump is implying here, is saying, you know, Tom Brady likes me, therefore you should probably vote for me to be president.
0: Yeah, so because part of it is rubbing off because Tom Brady, Tom Brady is great, so therefore I must be great. Yeah. If Tom Brady likes me, you know some of that greatness that he has is imparting to me, and
1: you could be like Tom, Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady likes me. It's that be like Tom Brady and like me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like that. But but just for, yeah. But and that kind of short that that steps over the fact that. If you vote for Trump, you don't automatically <laughs> turn into Tom Brady yeah. overnight. You don't become an expert quarterback no. or indeed a handsome guy that Ted and Mark Wahlberg in Ted One <laughs> want to steal the sperm from, you know, because they reckon he would be a good father. Yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at least Tom Brady is an expert in something. He is he is an authority, um, just not about that. But sometimes people invoke non-experts or non-authorities, and in March of 2016, Trump claimed on Fox and Friends that Ted Cruz's father knew Lee Harvey Oswald. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being,
0: you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What is this, right, prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. But I think it's horrible.
1: So this is kind of a guilt by association thing he's trying to associate yeah, Ted Cruz yeah, yeah. through his father to a, a negative person but when he was actually called on to defend these comments which are completely mad he invoked an authority
0: now I don't know what it was exactly but it was a major story in a major publication and it was picked up by many other publications it,
1: it was- so this is something Trump likes to do is like if he's called out on something that he got wrong he's he says well I, you know i i I read it somewhere or I, I heard about it or the, lots of people are telling me this. And here he says yep. it's a major yep. story in a major publication. The major publication that Trump saw the story in was the <laughs> National Enquirer. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> well, actually, there's, a, there's an appeal to authority there because it, it, just on the basis that the National Enquirer sells a lot of copies, yeah. you know, it kind of imbu- imbues it with some uh, majority. It is a major publication... Well, yeah, in the in the world of crazy land it's kind of
1: <laughs> It's an authority in that sense. Yeah. yeah. But this is the thing is, in terms of news sources, yeah. this is the tabloid that claimed that Judge Antonin Scalia was murdered by a prostitute who was hired by the CIA to assassinate him by injecting poison into his buttocks. Yeah. MediaBiasFactCheck.com describes National Enquirer as the original fake news media outlet that profits by selling fake news.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So is, well, mind you, it was called upon in Men in Black the movie to be the the true reporter of what's gone down. That's true. It kind of yeah. calls it out, says it's terrible, and then uses it as the as a bust of a joke as well. Whereas Trump thinks it's a major publication. And he just kind of does that Stuff. Well, it was a major public, a major story, run in a major publication, picked up by other publications. Really? Do you think other publications actually (laughs) scour the National Enquirer? They can't wait. They're hanging around by the newsstand. Well, I think it was probably other Other publications said
1: the National Enquirer is saying this crazy shit. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) yeah, and and Trump or or Trump has referred to a an article in. Yeah, that's called picking it up, isn't it? That's Yeah, Trump has gone crazy again because he thinks the National Enquirer is a a leading journalistic, you know, the stuff of Bob Woodward. Well, uh, well, there we go.
1: Yeah. So if you're going to invoke an authority, make sure that they're actually an authority in that particular area in question.
0: And... Now is the time I think for Marx British politics. Corner. Okay, so this week my example comes from uh, the Independent newspaper, which is a fairly authoritative newspaper, a broadsheet in the um, uh, in the UK, and it was published on the fourteenth of December two thousand eighteen. So this Christmas. It was an exclusive interview with that well-known political commentator, Paloma Faith. (laughs) And I assume she's a political commentator because the headline that they ran was, Theresa May should step down. She's made a shit show of Brexit. Her career is over. So I was was, uh, beguiled by the fact that she... Um, I didn't know this this branch to Paloma Faith's um, talents, <laughs> and uh, it's a print interview, and I, I suspect there isn't an audio version. I looked all over to see if there was an audio version, and I suspect that I'll be committing a fallacy based on the fact that I'm not convinced by her authoritative tone. But this was, uh, so this, I think this is why they haven't published an audio one. This is um, uh, her doing a trail for an appearance on a radio show a couple of days later. Good morning, everyone. I'm on my way to speak to and sing with Chris Evans on BBC Radio 2. I hope you all enjoy the show. So there you can see the voice, the authoritative tones of <laughs> political commentator Paloma Faith. So she says, you know, she said Theresa May should step down. She's made a shit show of Brexit. Her career is over. So I'm thinking, well, why have the independent newspaper given her, you know, a fairly a massive amount of space? What makes her an authority? She's got 471,000 followers on Instagram, 592,000 on Twitter. She sings a bit like Amy Winehouse. Does that give her the authority to kind of pontificate on uh, political matters? Or is it because, as she continues, her partner is a French passport holder, her dad is Spanish and her mum's English. And she's trying to get dual citizenship for herself with Spain. And then she says, I don't know if it's possible because we haven't got a deal yet. It's scary. So maybe her political authority uh, uh, is because she's simply like a, an individual affected by Brexit by the rest of us.
1: Um, yeah, but this but is the thing with the, uh, with the appeal to celebrity aspect of it, isn't it? It's that celebrities' uh, opinions are more important than everyone else's. <laughs> that's, mm. that's the mm. kind of implication, mm. is that, um, you know, it, yeah. you could they do the Vox Pops, they go out in the street and talk to the, the regular people, but, um, yeah. you know, if you could manage to find a celebrity, that's the one that's going to make the news.
0: Paloma Faith also said, uh, even though it's kind of scary, she feels optimistic about the new generation. And she says, young people seem much more clued up and I'm hoping they're going to save it all. So it, it, the implication is she isn't clued up herself, in which case, why is she given um, column inches under an overt
1: political headline? Maybe she's not including herself in the not clued up generation or the the, the
0: Yeah, yeah, it could be, yeah. Or, or it could be that she's just got a new album out. Yeah, that might be it. You know, so there, yeah.
1: It could be that <laughs> yeah. her publicist so, is just and, calling around newspapers saying, have you got anything you'd like okay. Paloma okay. Faith to talk yeah.
0: about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, we, yeah. in which case you kind of think, oh, OK, well, what's in the headlines? OK, Brexit. Yeah, let's get her to tell us what she thinks of Theresa May. So my other thought was that the, um, that actually perhaps the Independent is doing this kind of meta satirical thing. What they're saying is that she has no more authority to talk about these things than self-employed entertainers relying on keeping in favour with the public to guarantee an income stream. People like Boris Johnson. So they're doing this kind of sly bit of satire saying, OK, yes, here's Paloma Faith banging on about these things. She isn't a good authority on which to listen to this. And neither is (laughs) Boris Johnson, who is just a shameless media whore, just like Paloma Faith is, you know, without saying as much. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of which, my second example is, um, I think, knowing that you're an authority is a dangerous thing, and I think Boris Johnson knows that he's an authority and plays on that. Well, let's face it: there's no, he has no reason, he has no skills other than his position of authority to call upon. He's not an expert in anything, other than being a politician. I'm a politician, therefore you need to listen to me. Um, so this week, in fact, there'd been a judgment on um, what he said back in August, uh, where he came into for a lot of criticism about a comment on women who wear burqas, which he made in his Daily Telegraph column um, back in August. And it start, it kind of starts all right. It says, if you say that it is weird and bullying to expect women to cover their faces, then I totally agree. And I would add that I can find no scriptural authority for the practice in the Quran. So you kind of go, oh, okay, yeah. So there you are, actually saying there is no authority. I'm trying to appeal to an authority um, about wearing the wearing of practice of wearing burqas and I can find none. Um, So, Which is pretty good. So he's sounding fairly ministerial, even though he resigned on July the 9th as the Foreign Secretary. But he's still an elected MP. He's a member of the Conservative Party in power. So he's in a position where an authority is implied from what he says. Uh, And he goes on to say, and I wish he didn't, he says, I would go further and say that it is absolutely ridiculous that people should choose to go around looking like letterboxes. (laughs) So now he's descended from... If you were to say this, then I would agree too. I'm saying these people look like letterboxes, <laughs> which, as, for as a person in authority, is kind just, of amazing. You know. There's a, <laughs> Kind of a lot of implied racism Uh there. A little bit. There was an inquiry because the Conservative Party's code of conduct states that its representatives, and he was a representative, must support equality of opportunity, diversity and inclusion, and encourage and foster respect and tolerance. So on the 22nd of December, an independent panel uh, found his use of language in the column could be considered provocative, but claimed, kind of freedom of speech stuff, that it would be unwise to censor excessively the language of party representatives or the use of satire to emphasise a viewpoint, particularly a viewpoint that is not subject to criticism. Another authority came back, which is the uh, the Muslim Council of Britain, which is a, a Muslim authority, says, well, he isn't a satirist, he's a member of parliament, and as such he has a responsibility to set the tone for the rest of the UK to follow and if the code of conduct says it must be it must foster respect and tolerance how do how do these remarks foster respect and tolerance and and in fact on the website the the independent page somebody says a guy called Andy Frankiefile. Uh, on the on Christmas Eve, says this is, seems a strange conclusion for a committee to come to, and ask the questions: What is the composition of the independent committee? Who paid for it? Were any of its members of a Muslim religion or ethnicity? What were the terms of reference, and what procedures did it follow? Which makes me think: Okay, is that a valid and effective counter?
1: Yeah, I think in a way he is uh, in that comment asking. For what the authority is, what what uh, what mm. the committee is basing their decision on, and whether they actually have any expertise mm. in that area, it seems reasonable mm. to say that there should be people who know, who are either Muslim themselves or know a great deal about Muslim uh, religion and Muslim people, to make a judgment on whether that would be disrespectful or intolerant or, you know, upsetting to to mm. that demographic.
0: Is what the Muslim Council of Britain say, is what they are saying a reasonable thing to say? I think it is. Or is it just that it's difficult to accept the authority of someone with whom
1: one disagrees? That's definitely a factor, yes. I think it is genuinely difficult for everyone, no matter how hard you try, to objectively um, treat uh, sources with which you agree the same as sources with which Mm. you disagree. It is. It is absolutely a um a cognitive bias that exists that people will yep. will favour more
0: yeah people but, that, agree. but that kind of my fear is that at some stage you've got to accept that there is an authority, and how do you best to do that? Because the thing about the argument for authority is that everything becomes subjective.
1: If you are being intellectually honest, you can accept that some people have a, a level of expertise in a particular in a particular area. Now that's not to say that if someone is an expert in a particular area that they're always right. That's also a factor. Mm. So that they, mm. they could have they could be an expert, they could be the world's leading expert in something and still be wrong. Yeah. Um so yeah. it's it's not sensible to say that just because this person says it it's definitely true. But if um if they say it and they back it up and they have looked into it and they and you know that they are an expert in that specific area, it's more likely to be true. Um that's yeah. something you can be yeah. fairly certain of
0: fallacy, a fallacy, it's a in the wild, it's a fallacy, it's a fallacy, a fallacy in the wild
1: Very Christmassy. <laughs>
0: A very Christmassy version there. There we are. Okay,
1: so in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about The Fallacy of the Week from a non-political point of view. And uh, this week we've got uh, the first example is from a little-known, I would say probably, uh, sitcom, which I think it was in the 90s. And it was... Oh, I loved it. Was, it. I've watched yeah, nearly yeah, every one it. of them. It is great. Yeah, it's yeah. called yeah. Dinosaurs. Yeah. And it's a it's yeah. a live-action sitcom featuring people dressed up as dinosaurs and it's very much a kind of a family dynamic like the honeymooners or the simpsons or the flintstones it's that kind of you know yeah. brash yeah. abrasive father and and kids and a baby and stuff like that so anyway it's yeah. very funny and uh, in one episode the teenage daughter of the family doesn't believe that the earth is flat and ends up actually getting getting taken to court for this and uh, this happens in the courtroom
0: <laughs> you're on arm The flatness of the earth is one of the most hallowed precepts of dinosaur tradition. Yet there are those among us who would require some proof that the world is flat. Fair enough. Let the record
1: show that I now offer absolute and unimpeachable evidence. A guy in a lab coat.
0: (sighs) You are an engineer with lots of impressive degrees. Set is correct. And you work at the We Say So Corporation? That is also correct. See Classroom Globe Division.
1: And just what have you brought here to show us today? Only this. Ah. And we have a warehouse full of these things. Proof enough for you, Missy. Very impressive.
0: That's it, friend. We're in trouble now obviously if a company the size of we say so throws the full weight of its corporate clout behind the concept of a flat earth who are we to question well i'm sold guilty
1: (laughs) (laughs) so so the prop that the the guy in a lab coat brings into the court is a a flat globe essentially a, a kind of Structure yeah, that it's is a just
0: disc, a, yeah, it's a disk it? Yeah, so. it's like a desk globe, but instead of a ball, it's just got a <laughs> flat disc with the Earth on, you know, map on top of it. Yeah, it's brilliant. oh I, I so want one
1: of like those. <laughs> on on yeah. So yeah, so yeah, the lawyer in this case. Uh, is invoking the authority of the guy in the lab coat unimpeachable evidence um the fact yeah, that he is yeah. a, a a degree an engineer with lots of impressive degrees and he works for the we say so corporation which is a big corporation and therefore wouldn't put all of their weight and money behind something which wasn't true um so he's multiple levels of of argument from authority there none of which yeah. make it more likely yeah. that actually the no. world is flat.
0: <laughs> but I love that appeal to, um, here's an unimpeachable living, a guy in a lab coat. Yeah, no one goes, and kind of he's well, yeah, that's the basis of all expertise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. There's an XKCD comic yeah. uh, as well where someone in a lab coat is telling someone something ridiculous about the uh, their health and their, their, their medical Prognosis, and um, the caption is: You know, you can just buy lab coats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So there you go. The implication is, you wear a white coat, you're an expert.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can just buy them.
1: Yeah. So our second example is from Fox News, and it was when a video game called Mass Effect came out. Now, if you're a gamer, you've probably heard of Mass Effect, and you might know that it's a very kind of sprawling game with lots of decisions that you can make along the way. Mm. And one of the things about the game was that you could trigger a sex scene. And Fox News were incensed by this. And they, they said it was basically showing sex to children. And, and it's like one of them described it as like Debbie does Dallas in space, <laughs> which is brilliant. Um, and the U.S. Uh, video games ratings board gave it an M for games. It's the mm. The film equivalent would be an R. So they had on Fox News to talk about this, someone who knew about games and someone who was an expert in child psychology. And here's how they're seeing women. They're seeing them as these as these objects of desire, as these, you know, hot bodies. I mean, they don't they don't show women as being valued for anything other than their sexuality. And it's a man in this game deciding All how right. many women he wants to be with. All right, let's get Jeff in on this. All right, that's com- Go ahead, completely Jeff. incorrect. Yeah, that's
0: completely incorrect. First of all, you can actually play as a man or a woman in the game. Cooper, have you ever played Mass Effect?
1: No. (laughs) So not only has this person who is commenting on the dangers of this (laughs) game never played the game, she finds it laughable that she would even be asked whether she played it or not.
0: Yeah, I'm a figure of authority. You don't (laughs) need to actually... Get me to do the damn yeah. thing, you know. I know what I'm talking about. I don't need to test it. But this woman, yeah. uh,
1: Cooper, who's a, a psychologist, um, she had a book out, uh, which was why she was on Fox News talking about this. Um, amusingly, after this, uh, lots of uh, lots of people went to Amazon and reviewed her book and said that they right. they it was terrible, but they hadn't read it. They didn't feel they needed to read it before reviewing <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's excellent. (laughs) That's brilliant.
1: (laughs) And in this area, I actually myself am a little bit of an authority because I was Uh on the team that classified Mass Effect in the UK and we gave it a 12 in the UK because although there is a sex scene in it, um all of the hype and all of the scare about how awful this was that they were showing kids sex and you were kind of having a game where you did sex and stuff like that was nonsense. Right. What happened was it's yeah. a very, very immersive game. It's lots and lots of worlds that you can go and explore and do stuff on, and uh, it's about 30 hours or so to play the game from start to finish. And there is a section right. where if you have made various decisions which lead you to have a relationship with another crew member on this ship, then... One of the decision trees will lead you down to a a very mild sex scene where you see a bit of alien buttock and a bit of side boob, and and that's it, and then it's over in about oh, thirty right. seconds, and and then you move on. Right, um, you can't kind of continually choose to have sex yeah. you can't press a button and decide to no. have sex there's no interactivity in the sex at all you can't it, we, we said at the time right. uh, that if you if it was a game where you had sex in the game and you were actually kind of doing some kind it of you know interactivity to Wag- get them exactly <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't have been 12 yeah. because no parent wants no. to kind of walk in and see that their 12 year old making a character on screen have sex with another character but that yeah. wasn't the case it was a it was a video clip with teddy bears. yeah it was a video clip that followed a decision tree that you choose
0: various okay. options
1: yep. uh, on yep. and it was really really mild it wasn't an issue for us at all so yeah, it was yeah. 12 but this person who was talking about how terrible it was hadn't played the game so they're not an authority on it
0: What they are is the kind of the vocal minority. There was a a vocal minority called the Festival of Light in the 1970s run by this particular woman, Mary Whitehouse, who was your archetypal librarian with horn-rimmed glasses who would be upset at a flash of ankle, who would ironically get out all the video nasties and all all the films um that you wouldn't normally want to watch and then watch them and be upset about yeah. them and then complain about she them. made a real special
1: effort and that to be would, outraged, didn't she, Mary Whitehouse?
0: Exactly, yeah. And that was you know, that would lead her to write directly to the British Board of Film Censors, your uh, film certificate I think it was Film Censors still at called the time, then. Yeah. Um your your previous employer and um and complain.
1: Yeah what she would actually do was write to the male mostly who would then run stories that said things like ban this sick filth and what that resulted in was uh, the Video Recordings Act in 1984 which Ah, was it started because in the early 80s when video players came along VHS players you could actually buy any film including video nasties and Italian horror films and sex Mm -hmm. and all kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff just in in the high street (laughs) with no age restrictions at all And following 1984 and the Video Recordings Act, that, that meant that somebody had to watch everything and give it a rating. And so she actually quite contributed to the BBFC becoming a significantly more important organisation. And I wouldn't have worked there if not for, if not for that, because they wouldn't have needed yeah, yeah. more than a few people.
0: Oh, there you go. Well, she something to be grateful for. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If not the sale of horn
1: rim glasses. <laughs> yeah. So I've got another example, which is actually a real world mm. example. Um, oh, and this wow. is because yeah. uh, it's Christmas, seeing family, and uh, yesterday um, went over to my mum's my house and uh, had a chat with my sister, who for some reason the, the talk got around to talking about antibiotics and about how you should always finish the course of antibiotics. Right. And she said, yeah. well, that's not true. That's not true anymore, because um, you, the, they've now said that you you shouldn't finish the course and you should just stop when you feel better. And I said, Well that, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I've heard and that's not right. what they say generally. And she said, yeah. No, no, it's yeah. true, and looked it up on her phone and, and found an article that said it that said this is what's what's yeah. happened and she said, And and I've got a friend who's a nurse who says this is true. So that was an argument from authority because this nurse friend of hers yeah. who, you know, yeah. may well know a lot about antibiotics realistically probably her experience is anecdotal it's probably if she does have particular experience of knowing whether antibiotics have been continued or stopped and whether people have recovered is from seeing patients and almost certainly she doesn't know whether those patients have had problems with bacterial resistance that's been caused by stopping courses of antibiotics and and so on Mm. because she doesn't she's not a molecular biologist she's not a research scientist she's a a person in the medical profession but doesn't have precise knowledge of this i wanting to be a critical thinker said that okay i'm not going to dismiss this new piece of information i will go away i'll look at it i'll be interested and i looked into it and it's very interesting and what i found was there was a an article in the british medical journal not a study not research just an article, an opinion piece that had been written by some doctors and some scientists oh, to say that yeah, um, yeah. actually the advice on finishing the course and the advice on the length of courses of antibiotics was based on mm-hmm. not a lot of data. It wasn't based on enough research, it was based on tradition. And the reason that it was tradition is because our prescribing guidelines for things like antibiotics are based back when they decided that you just needed to give lots so that it would be cured and they weren't worried about resistance because they didn't really understand it. And now that we understand yep. resistance, what yep. we want to do is minimise the amount of antibiotics use. And right. so to make sure yep. that we're giving a, a, the right amount and not too much, we should be we should be testing and finding out what the right dose is that will do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It didn't say
1: yep. people should decide yep. for themselves when to stop or they should stop when they yeah, feel exactly, better yeah but all of the press the, the independent the guardian the mail and so on all said you know everything you know about antibiotics is wrong doctors now say you should stop antibiotics when you feel yeah, better yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah which is yeah. not only wrong yeah it's dangerous because yeah some things like tuberculosis and and other things if you stop the course too early does increase the likelihood that you're bacterial infection will yeah. grow resistant to those antibiotics and it's yeah the, that's not what the article said it, it said that you should, that we should do more testing we should find out more
0: so there is a, there is a, uh, a danger from the point of view of the appeal to authorities so the newspapers who are reporting on this stuff need to be responsible for which is they are an authority so if if the Guardian or the independent you know the broadsheet newspapers even the and the Daily Mail <laughs> um, if they report this stuff their reporting comes with the weight of many years of respectable journalism yeah. being attributed to them such that people will believe
1: what they print yeah and that that authority is based on tradition as well, because um, mm. in back in the day, there were science reporters on newspapers who mm. did have mm. science degrees and who would, when they read a new science study, look into it. They would read the study, they would go back and decide, yep. you know, if they believed it based on the number of people in the study and things like that, mm. and mm. and. Because newspapers are losing money uh, and have been for some time now, yeah. they don't have science reporters much anymore, and it will generally just be farmed out to an a average work-a-day journalist who doesn't either have the time, the inclination, or the expertise to yeah. really understand what they're writing about. In some cases,
0: and and also in the in the in these days of you know actual print newspapers going under and becoming online, you've got to do clickbaity headlines. Yeah. Where people will click through, which means that you can uh, report to your advertisers that you had this many hits on your page, and therefore this many people looked at your adverts. So you do more and more clickbaity headlines, not unlike Paloma Faith says Theresa May is is shit and ought to step down. So you know the reason I got onto that was because it came up in the Brexit. Some you know the the my feed sends me stuff about Brexit, and that came up, mm-hmm. and you got to go, oh bloody hell, Theresa my shit. she ought to step down. You click on it and you go, oh it's Paloma Faith, <laughs> but you do it. It is clickbait.
1: So and now that's another interesting and- thing is because in some cases we do look at it the other way and think, well that person doesn't isn't an expert in this area, therefore they don't know mm-hmm. what they're talking about, therefore they're their opinion Mm. is wrong and again that's not necessarily the case they might actually have a valid opinion or a true opinion it's not necessarily based on the kind of evidence that we want to base our opinions on and therefore we shouldn't give it a lot of weight but it doesn't Mm. mean they're wrong and in fact Mm. interestingly this opinion piece in the British Medical Journal they listed the authors and their credentials and it was multiple authors Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of them had you know they were experts in microbiology or or epidemiology and, and things like that but one of the authors was listed as Cliff Gorton, and mm-hmm. in the footnotes of um, giving their their credentials, he was a retired building surveyor. That's it. <laughs> right now, I have of no idea what the hell right. Right. <laughs> this person knows <laughs> about antibiotics, and there well, was no there was no attempt that a, to explain attributed why. attributed
0: authority. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really odd that he was listed as an as a, a an author of this this piece in the BMJ with with no other explanation yeah. of why anyone should listen to anything he wrote. I don't know what he yeah. did. Maybe what, he's a retired what, building surveyor okay. and now he's a copywriter and he helped them to kind of punch up the copy a bit and make it sound a bit more interesting after the scientists all put the science in. We don't know. There's no- so was there anything
0: in the article particularly about buildings? No, no, Or the no. surveying of them? No, oddly might, it, was, it was mostly
1: antibiotics-based. Clue? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> This is our final show of the year, so before we play Fake News tonight, there's just time for a quick roundup of Trump's 2018. Mark? Okay.
0: It was a fucking dumpster fire. Thanks very much. So, we're going to we're going to play Fake News, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody.
1: Now, this is usually the part of the show where I read out three Trump quotes <laughs> and get Mark to guess which one I made up. But yeah. it's the end of the year. You know, it's Christmas party season. Yeah, We like to play different games at the at Christmas time. And I thought I'd mix it up a bit, really. So okay. inspired by Trump's appearance in the Christmas classic Home Alone 2, I thought I would ask you about other films that Trump has appeared in, in cameo roles. Oh, wow. So. Oh, very. And the interesting thing is, according to Matt, was it Matt Damon, I think, who said that yeah. when he was making a film that was... Part, took part partly in a trump property the only way they were allowed to use right. the property was if they also filmed a, they wrote a part for trump in the film um, so hope, yeah so they they didn't necessarily have to include it in the final cut but they had to to write a part they had to film it they had to waste and their time it, on set yeah. you know with like al pacino against you know talking <laughs> to trump and and that was how he got in yeah. so he's in quite a lot of films actually but oh my god so so I've got, we've got three rounds, um, okay. so you've got the op- opportunity to, to gain quite a lot of points here. Uh, oh, and good. each round yeah. is, right I'm going to give you three films, and you have to tell me which one Trump did a cameo in. Okay?
0: Okay. So, yeah.
1: round one. Cool. Right uh, on. Was Trump in two weeks' notice, three men and a baby, or four weddings and a funeral? Wow. Ooh.
0: Okay, a nice number theme there, by the <laughs> way. Uh, okay, uh, mm, which one out of the three? Yeah, he was in one in? of those films. Okay, wow. Oh, well. Mm, uh, mm, I think probably against all odds. No, not the film. I, I get. It, I think unexpectedly, he would be in four weddings. So I think he was in four weddings and
1: funeral. I'm afraid not. No, he was in... No! (laughs) He was in Two Weeks Notice, the uh, Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. uh, Well, let's call it a comedy. Oh! Um, So I've got a a clip of of Trump acting against Hugh Grant here. Wade! Trump! I hear Kelson finally dumped you. Not exactly, no. We just came to a mutual understanding that she couldn't bear me for another second. So there we go. It wasn't a big role. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow.
1: No. Uh, but no. if ever you want to show that your your characters are kind of important and rich and and live in yeah. New York then Trump is a person that you insert and, into and your
0: in home. the in the 90s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if yeah, if your characters are in the 90s. So do you think like the like series 10 of Stranger Things they will you know do it in a haunted Trump tower where the, the you know the upside down Actually, the king of the upside down would be Trump himself. Could be. Yeah, but his hair kind of flopping away. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, how about that? And, yeah, not only, uh, yeah, see, numbers and Hugh Grant there. Good theme. Yeah. Yeah. So Wow. Okay. Right. I've, uh, I've got the measure of you now, Round Jim. two.
1: Give me the next one. Round two is yeah. a TV round. So did Trump appear in an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Golden Girls, or Friends?
0: Oh, oh, okay. Mm, uh, mm. Well, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, that'd be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, because at the wrong side of the country for Trump, the Golden Girls. I think they would have found him kind of quite sexy. Uh, what was the last one? Friends. Friends. Oh dear. I think probably to their eternal shame if he was in there. Ooh. I want it to be the Golden Girl, but I'm, I'm edging towards Friends. But I
1: think I think it's probably the Golden Girls. Okay. I'm afraid you're wrong again.
0: Oh, <laughs> my God, really? It's, right. it's,
1: it was Friends. It wasn't right? Friends. No, it was, it was the Fresh Friends of Bel-Air. <laughs> so... Yeah, I did put friends did in there because I thought New York, what? that might kind of swing you. But yeah, yeah, exactly. he, yeah he did yeah. appear in an episode of Thresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where no they right. were selling their house He's got- and Trump came in as a potential buyer. Yeah. So here's a clip. Ron said his client had a rich uncle, but uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> I like keeping a low profile. Yeah. So <laughs> he, there was a little bit more to it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and in fact his his wife at the time, I think it was probably Marla Maples, was, was in it as well. They did okay. together. So.
0: Bloody Hell. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah! all right so yeah so you could t- like will Smith did, refused to appear on screen with him
1: no will went he said uh, he, no. he said if you do buy the house and and you want someone yeah. to come and mow the lawn if you chuck in an extra 50 grand I'll come and do it for you ah, <laughs> he is
0: the kid that mows the lawn <laughs> yeah. wow oh my god so, wow or oh, the nerdy the nerdy um nephew no the nerdy cousin yeah Carlton who was yeah he was there. very excited yeah I Oh, uh, yeah exactly, yeah. These kinda of tr yeah, Trump's his kind of people. Yeah, but yeah. it turned
1: out the the story of the episode was that he wanted to buy it because uh it was like his nephew had lived there as a child or something like that, but it turned out they'd got the address oh, okay. wrong and his nephew lived in a different house, so they didn't they didn't
0: it. <laughs> but he ended up buying it anyway. Oh he didn't. No, oh, okay. No. All right. So. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I've got to, I've so, got to go. The, the horrible thing is. You're going to have to I've watch to that episode. Watch it. It, yeah. I know. I yeah. know. It's appalling, isn't it?
1: Oh, so, no. It'll be awful. Final round. Your last chance to gain a point. Okay. Okay. Was Trump in? White men can't jump, can't buy me love, right. or ghosts can't do it? Ah. <sighs>
0: Mmm, White man Can't Jump. Well, it would be, yeah, I could see him with Woody Harrelson. That would kind of work. Can't Buy Me Love. Ah, uh, mm. well, When was that set? That was
1: set in the 60s? Uh, no, that was a um, John Cusack film, I think. No, no, it was Patrick Dempsey. Oh, okay. Patrick Dempsey was the... Okay, uh, yep, yep, yep. Unrelated oh, yeah, to the yeah, Beatles, yeah. apart from the desperate stealing of the name Tomb.
0: yeah desperate. it was Temp- 1987 to.
1: yeah and what was it last one was ghosts right. ghosts can't do it
0: go goats can't <laughs> do it ghosts can't do it well you see i'm yeah i'm tempted to go for the one that nobody's ever heard of but i think it's i want it to be white men can't jump after i do I've, i just want it to be that because i want to hear woody harrelson talk to talk to trump it isn't is it i've lost it again
1: i'm afraid it's the one that no one's ever heard of it's ghosts can't do it which is a 1989 bo derrick comedy um about about a widow uh who i don't know her husband dies who's anthony quinn is her husband he dies and comes back as a ghost uh and and kind of right talks her through a business deal that involves trump in some okay. for some reason <laughs> their, their interaction <laughs> includes this line but be assured mrs scott that in yeah. this room there are knives sharp enough to cut you to the bone and hearts cold enough to eat yours as hors d'oeuvres <laughs> so that, that's wow. trump being a tough businessman there yeah, um, you could tell. And I, I, yeah. and I couldn't... But his voice is slightly lower. I couldn't include a clip a bit, of Bo Derek because her acting is so bad uh, it, it can't yeah, be recorded. don't give her any lines. Yeah, so <laughs> it's weird. It's like, yeah, ghosts, ghosts
0: can't be recorded, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, my word. And in fact, what, what year was that? That was
1: 1989. And, in fact, Trump won a Razzie, um, right. a golden raspberry, right. for his appearance in yeah. that film as worst actor. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> That which is saying something yeah. next to Bo derrick, Wow! Well, there you go. Bloody hell! He's been all over, has not he? <laughs> I'm surprised. Why did they even keep it in there? Oh, that's the question, isn't it? it is. the, yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the you know the the thing about buying and selling property. Yeah. In um, that kind of makes sense. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's quite a good. Quite a good. You know, from, I would have cut that from the entire series and shot, an, <laughs> shot a different one, but you know that makes sense as part of the thing. But getting him back in a kind of really poor um, Patrick Swayze kind of knockoff of Ghost was there any was there any play involved
1: in, in no that it was one? it was weird no <laughs> that f- the whole thing that Anthony Quinn was married to Bo Derrick was weird enough but yeah
0: yeah well you know yeah. we've seen weird, weird things true. like trump being married to Melania, <laughs> <Yeah>. for instance
1: <laughs> yeah so um i'm gonna treat well, those great. since you lost every single one of those i'm gonna be kind yeah and i'm gonna treat that as a single okay. loss because one overall that's very loss. kind so so that means you're yeah. down to 20 okay. percent in your <laughs> success rate in uh in the fake news so um ah. next time, podcast yeah. listeners, will be back to fake Trump quotes and I need your help to full mark. So if you think you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter. Include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump. I'll pick the best one and you'll be podcast famous. So it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called Christmas is not a logical fallacy. Um, we like to talk about all of the crazy stuff that's happened in in the last couple of weeks in the Trump orbit, and there's a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff over oh Christmas. Oh my god, there's so much. You know how they have a kind of a Friday news dump, where because no one's really talking yep. about stuff yep. on Friday evening, they put the big stories there. Well, they've done a holiday news dump, yep. and just all every lots of stuff is coming. Right. But but we're gonna not talk about any of that stuff because <laughs> it's nah. Christmas. No, nah. we're gonna talk about the war on Christmas. <laughs> The War on Christmas,
0: yeah, <laughs> which is a totally
1: real thing and not made up at all. <laughs> yeah. So Trump said, in fact, he's he's said it a few times. He said in the campaign that uh, he would bring Christmas back, and people would be saying Merry Christmas again if he was made president. Because obviously, yeah. before that, he basically, no one was saying Merry yeah, Christmas.
0: Making making Christmas merry again. <laughs> yeah now that will be a good that will be why didn't i get a t-shirt with that this christmas that would be great wouldn't it with yeah. trump in a kind of, of santa beard Make christmas yellow yeah
1: kind of you know, so um yeah making christmas merry again and at last year's uh tree lighting ceremony he said that he had he he brought christmas back to the white house merry brought merry christmas back actually he said that kind of implying that the obamas right. didn't say merry christmas um, which they very much did, and <laughs> there's there's a few compilations yep. online of all the times, all the many times that people have found of the Obama saying Merry Christmas. They also did yep. say Happy Holidays, because that is a recognition that Christmas isn't the only thing that exists, and there's also yeah, yeah, Hanukkah yeah. and Kwanzaa <laughs> and other things, um, yep, yep. and New Year for that matter, which is included yep. in the kind of the holiday season. Yeah, it hasn't been very consistent. Yeah. The, the other members of the Trump family, uh, Ivanka Trump last year, put out a tweet saying happy holidays, which probably people didn't like. Yeah, yeah. But the, the interesting thing is that this month there's been a, a poll by Morning Consult who have asked people what they actually think about people saying merry christmas and happy holidays and if yeah. if they care basically so they asked the question yeah. if a store or business used the term happy holidays or merry christmas would that make you more or less likely to shop there or would it make no difference either way right and what they found was for all all adults just generally across the board if people say merry christmas that that makes 42% of people more likely to shop there it makes no difference to forty nine percent of people, um, and right. it makes it less likely to, I think, about two percent of people. Um, right. And if but if they say happy holidays, that actually makes twenty two percent of people more likely <laughs> to shop there. It makes it fifty six percent of people don't care at all, and fourteen percent of people are less yeah. likely to shop there. So it's not that massive. It's not that big a deal. No. Um, but the interesting actually
0: more more people don't care at all. Yeah,
1: loads of people. But basically, the, dick, the majority yeah. of people don't care overall what people say. But it does it does break down across party lines quite quite interestingly. Um, because for oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Democrats, five yeah. percent of people are less likely to shop in a, a shop that says Merry Christmas, and six percent wow. are less yeah. likely to shop in a shop that says Happy Holidays. Yeah. Whereas for Republicans, okay. it's yeah. it's one percent who say they would be less – and I can't understand this at all – they'd be less likely to shop in a shop that says Merry Christmas, even though they're Republican. Right. But they're 20% less likely. 20% 20 (laughs) of them are less likely to shop in a a shop that says Happy Holidays. Even then, that's 80% of people who who don't give a fuck, doesn't make any difference to them. Yeah. Even in the Republican Party.
0: And actually, looking at the makes no difference bit, for Republicans, 36% say that Merry Christmas makes no difference. 48% 48, 48% say happy holidays makes no yeah. difference. So, yeah, 80% of people, including more people than if they if said Merry Christmas, give a shit yeah. about whether they say happy holidays.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, it. it yeah, so it's
1: a completely made up thing. It is completely made up. The, and it was the, the thing is, it came from the early 2000s, um, between 2000 and 2003. Oh, okay. As recent as talk that. Show, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, no, to be yeah. fair, there is a history of it. There are, there are people who, who okay. were saying even back in the like 40s and 50s, oh, you know, you, you, okay. as soon as they saw something that didn't say Merry Christmas, they, they were saying, oh, yeah. you don't see Merry Christmas anywhere anymore. <laughs> um, but it really became a thing in the Republican yeah, yeah. Party. <laughs> it, with talk show hosts, conservative talk show hosts uh, like Bill O'Reilly um, in 2003, particularly. got
0: our friend Bill O'Reilly.
1: And yeah. Bill Donahue in the, uh, right. of the Catholic yep. League. He started talking about how you don't see Christmas anymore and how, how Christmas in schools was being censored because they put up things that acknowledged cultural traditions other than Christianity or sang Frosty the Snowman instead of Silent Night. But as well as... Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's the thing. Yeah. Is, is yeah. It, when you're used to yeah. being... In charge, any any yeah. concession to anyone else is oppressive yeah. to you. <laughs> That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's when you being attacked. a white
0: supremacist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're having to concede, you know, two percent or something. Yeah just accepting that other people's
1: right it. to their opinion is is unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, in 2003, uh, yeah. O'Reilly jumped on board and uh started talking about he how Christmas is taking flack. It said he he said in in 2003 he said um, in denver this past weekend no religious floats were permitted in the holiday parade parade there in new york city mayor bloomberg unveiled the holiday tree and no christian christmas symbols were allowed in the public schools and may in macy's they've done away with christmas greeting merry christmas um and yeah in macy's they did start saying happy holidays that year because again they were trying to be inclusive they were trying to say yeah. that it's you know yeah. they're not not celebrating Christmas, and if you go yeah, to yeah. Macy's, if you went to Macy's in two thousand three, they had Christmas decorations and including religious ones and Merry Christmas on yeah. things. They just generally told their staff to well, say Happy they're
0: Holidays. Kind of thinking, well, you know, New York's going to be filled with uh, Catholics, non-Catholics,
1: yeah. non-Christians, and we're a shop trying to sell stuff. There was an incident in 2005 when in Walmart, a woman complained that they were saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And so an employee... One, one woman. Yeah, Yeah. and so a a Walmart um, customer service employee emailed her to say... The majority of the world still has different practices other than Christmas, which is an ancient <laughs> tradition that has yeah. its roots in Siberian shamanism. Santa is borrowed from the yeah. Caucasus, mistletoe from the Celts, Yule log from the Goths, and this, uh, the time from the Visigoths yeah. and the tree from the worship of Baal. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that yeah. that employee yeah. was fired <laughs> from Walmart.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but but not immediately. Yeah. That must have just that must have happened after somebody.
1: Complain. yeah well Bill Donahue of the so, Catholic League yeah, so, complained oh, he called okay, it discrimination right. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, practiced by cultural fascists and he called for a boycott of Walmart and um, okay and, and so and
0: what he's espousing isn't cultural fascist. no no of course not no no right yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah so no. so Walmart apologized they, they said that they're their greeters should say, Merry Christmas again, and they fired the employee
0: involved. But why? Involved. Well, mainly because Bill donahue yeah, is an argument for <laughs> from authority and was saying, you know, given my authority, I'm going to get everybody to boycott Walmart. And Walmart are going, shit, nobody's going to buy anything. <laughs> Let's
1: fire the guy. Uh, but even <laughs> in 2005, um, Gallup did a poll, and 41% of people said they preferred to hear Happy Holidays. Um, fifty-six percent said oh. they'd rather hear "Merry Christmas," but it's still pretty, pretty close. It's not that far off. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly was keeping on saying this uh, for several years, but by the kind of late two thousands, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, he was claiming that he'd won basically the war on Christmas, and and that Macy's were saying "Happy uh, Merry Christmas" again, and and all of the main stores they all had it on, but it hasn't Always stopped anyone else. World. Every single year It hasn't stopped Fox from from saying any time that you know there's a um, a school nativity scene that yeah. is is it has to include a a snowman that that that's a, yeah. that's an attack on Christianity or because of somebody putting
0: you know happy happy Xmas instead of Merry Christmas yeah. is it what the hell you know that's the that's the counter argument isn't it yeah that-
1: the the Xmas one is interesting because because the X in Xmas comes from the Greek initial for Christ and oh, and wow. so it is a, a a traditional um shortening of christmas um but but christians can't decide whether it's trivializing yeah. christmas and therefore bad um, and then right. and then, if any people who use Xmas say, well, no, this is actually this is a completely valid Christian tradition, then they say, yeah, but you, that's not how you yep. meant it. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that all the people who are saying uh, Xmas yeah. know that, so therefore it's negative. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's... It doesn't, uh,
0: so that's a, there's a there's moving the goalposts yeah. going on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. What? Oh, I always thought it was just kind of shorthand for cross. Yeah, Christmas. You know, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas.
1: No, it comes of, from yeah. the... Uh, the Oh, All right! Christos. Wow, learn something cool. About it. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump shut down the federal government for the third time this year, just before Christmas presumably based on the assumption that the Mueller investigation will have to stop while the shutdown's in effect. He seems pretty happy to take the credit for the 800,000 federal workers going without pay over Christmas, telling Chuck Schumer earlier in the month that he was proud to shut down the government, claiming many federal workers are telling him they want him to hold out and not pay them, and boasting on Twitter that it's mostly Democrats who aren't getting paid anyway.
0: (laughs) The most altruistic charity in the history of charities, which is probably a trademark, the Trump Foundation – It's no more. The New York State Attorney General signs a stipulation dissolving the Trump Foundation and argues that the individual Trumps failed to ever hold a board meeting or take board minutes, didn't review foundation assets, liabilities, revenues and disbursements, and neglected to oversee the foundation and or supervise accounting staff. Most damning of all for the President, he solicited funds directly for the Foundation, then gave his presidential campaign control over those funds, which it then used to attempt to influence the election. As the Barbara Underwood version of the good book says, and now abideth faith, hope and charity,
1: these three. But the greatest of these is justice. (laughs) For the first time in his presidency trump visited u.s troops overseas on christmas day as he and melania took an unannounced trip to iraq after accidentally revealing the classified whereabouts of covert special ops unit seal team five trump went on to brag about how he personally arranged the military's recent huge pay rise
0: is anybody here willing to give up the big pay raise you just got raise your hands please Ah, i don't see too many hands okay don't give it up it's great. You know what? Nobody deserves it more. You haven't gotten one in more than 10 years. More than 10 years. And we got you a big one. I got you a big one. I got you a big one. They had plenty of people that came up. They said, you know, we could make it smaller. We could make it 3%. We could make it 2%. We could make it 4%. They said, no. Make it 10%. Make it more than 10%. Because it's been a
1: long time. It's been more than 10 years. So, Mark, Trump said yeah. the raise has is more than ten percent. He said make it more than ten percent. I got a huge pay raise. How much more than ten percent do you think the military raise for this year is? Point one? It's it's actually a bit less than ten percent. It's uh it's two point six percent. More than ten percent? No, two point six percent. Oh, so it, what? It's so, it's not ten percent. Uh, so it isn't more than ten. It's not. It's not three. Oh, it's not I four. It's going to be. T- it's two point six percent. It's two point six. <laughs> yeah. It's not more than ten. No. And I thought it was going to be ten point one percent. And Trump. It's says... It's not even that. It's not. It's two point six percent. And Trump says that it's been more than ten years since yeah. they've had a pay raise. How long do you think it's been?
0: Okay. Since they had a pay raise.
1: Yeah. Probably a year. Yeah. Last year they had a pay raise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was about the same. It was about two point four percent last year, okay. and uh, and yeah. he did not get them the big, massive two point six percent pay no. raise. Yeah, military pay raises are tied to increases in private sector wages. They are they're calculated by yeah. the Department of Labor. They haven't done anything about getting them. No. So he's completely so, just lying. So it's just gone up the by government. the cost of living, basically. Yeah. yeah. So and
0: they bought it. Yeah. They bought the whole room just went yeah you're great yeah <laughs> what what don't there's one kid at the front you know going uh, no the emperor's not wearing any clothes can you not see that yeah. can you not see this big lumpy orange guy is stark bollock naked he's you know he's he's t- what are you doing can you not see through this tissue of lies. What the hell? How is he going to get away with that? Yeah, As, he'll do something else and no one will care. <laughs> you don't stand in a room with people who are armed <laughs> to the teeth and lie to them like that. You know, yeah. No way. Do you think these guys who get a paycheck every year, every month, they get a pay slip because they've got to fill in their tax return... Uh-huh. So they have to get some paperwork that backs that up so that they can tell the taxman,
1: this is what I earned every year that happens. Well, i tell you what. It's lucky that because the government is shut down, there are no IRS people watching. Yeah. Uh, ah, there you go. <laughs> so, so they're, so they're they probably ca-
0: safe. Saying- ah, good. Yeah. So he's not as stupid as he looks. So I didn't think he could be as stupid as he looks. So he knows full well that actually I can get away with saying this shit. <laughs> because nobody's listening. No-one's going to record it. I've just turned up unannounced. Yeah, it's not like... Nobody's going to be here. And anyone it. No, no, no. no. Nobody's ever seen that. No. 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 What the hell... This past weekend, Trump administration ghoul and noted bald person Stephen Miller appeared on Face the Nation to talk about some presumably pretty racist stuff and show off a fancy new zombie hairline. And because nobody ever watches his appearances with the sound up, no one failed to notice that he looked like he'd been inserted inside that magnetic iron filings facial hair toy, Wooly Willy, Actually, the pubic head triangle was the only alive-looking thing in his chair. Have you seen it? It's got it's That's just amazing. horrible. It is, and it's a completely the wrong colour. It's a fabulous-looking small patch of hair. The rest of it is awful and lank and a different colour. I've heard a <laughs> and You think
1: that it's possible that yeah. that the the makeup person, the person kind of who was getting him ready for his appearance on the show, right. didn't like him. Because if they did, they would but have they done a much better job, <laughs> and and perhaps it's someone who was a Democrat or someone who oh, was like, that's excellent. maybe just not a Nazi. And yeah, because so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't make any attempt oh, at all brilliant. to kind of blend it into his no? existing hair. It was just kind of no. a lump of fake hair on top of his head.
0: <laughs> it moves it forward, you know, in a kind of you know Dracula esque widow's peak way, yeah. which and he's never had that. It's not even like a bit thin so if you shone a lot of strong light from above it would you would see the scalp shining it's just a whole big bunch of hair you know Bo Derek would be proud of that pubic
1: triangle <laughs> on his head guarantee it <sighs> um, another in the Happy Family set of dictators that nice Turkish Mr Erdogan told Donald on the phone that he's got ISIS covered now in Syria so why is Trump's army still there righto said Donald let's go boys No correlation, of course, with the fact that the State Department later said it had approved the sale of Patriot ground-to-air missiles in Turkey. Even in the face of committing this so-called Obama-like mistake, a senior administration official said it was the president's decision to make and he made it. He gets to do that. That's his prerogative. How many times do we have to spell it out? Just because you're in charge doesn't mean you're right. Exactly.
0: London-based eco-friendly construction company EnviroBuild, who feel very strongly that everyone should do everything they can to leave the world in a better way than they found it, bid $25,000 for the right to name a newly found type of Panamanian amphibian, the Sicilian Sicilians are tropical amphibians that look like large worms or slick snakes. Sometimes it's hard to tell which end is the head and which is the tail or arse, if you will. Their shiny skin is ringed with drooping skin folds, very pleasingly called anally. It is a vulnerable creature at risk as a result of the US government's current position on climate change. So they have called it Dermophis Donald Trumpi. (laughs)
1: yeah a a short-sighted slimy worm-like creature <laughs> Excellent. exactly with droopy
0: <laughs> drooping skin folds and actually what it does is eats its own skin
1: yeah in fact its children are parasites aren't they because it they eat its skin as well to 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 get ahead in life works on so many levels
0: Works though <laughs> well, so, so it shoves it <laughs> into the faces of its offspring <laughs> In order, to, in order to give them cushy jobs in the White House. Oh, oh no, wait a minute. No.
1: All Michael Flynn had to do last week was go into the courtroom and accept a light sentence with possibly no jail time, which both his lawyers and Mueller's team had agreed to based on his cooperation as a witness. But, of course, he had to spend a couple of days beforehand saying the FBI had entrapped him, talked to him without his lawyer present, and the mean old agents hadn't told him it was illegal to lie to the FBI. Judge Emmett Sullivan wasn't happy, so he asked Flynn if he had, in fact, been entrapped. Flynn's lawyer said no. Sullivan asked if Flynn did, in fact, know that lying to the FBI was a crime. Flynn said yes. Mm -hmm. And Sullivan asked if Flynn wanted to recant his guilty plea. Flynn said no. So Sullivan basically told him to go away and think about how he could be more helpful. (laughs) He offered to sentence Flynn there and then, but said he couldn't promise there wouldn't be jail time and pointed out that Flynn had basically sold out his country. The sentencing has been postponed.
0: <laughs> I love that bit. You kind of, you can almost see Flynn standing there going, "Well, there were no signs up at the FBI <laughs> yeah. saying, you know, lying is prohibited. No running, no or, pets, you know, no tell the, the truth. FBI. <laughs> there were no signs up. Well, yeah, how could you? How could you just not know that? I had no idea that that was the case." To the FBI. Yeah,
1: how could the, the, <sighs> the nation's senior security advisor be expected to know mm. that you're not allowed to lie to a federal official? I mean, that's just crazy.
0: Yeah. Of all of all organizations yeah. that yeah, exactly. Fit for service, draft dodging military service jacket wearing man chickens, his family owned the building in Jamaica, Queens, where podiatrist Larry Braunstein had his surgical office. Following a letter he wrote confirming that Donald had the feet, skeletons of Foghorn Leghorn, Braunstein's daughter said her father received preferential treatment from his landlord. If there was anything wrong in the building, my dad would call and Trump would take care of it immediately. That was the small favour that he got. Seems that back in the day, being the godfather, who after all was a Sicilian, a tenement janitor and a cartoon road-eyed and red, was all part of a day's work for the apprentice liar-in-chief. I found this clip of Foghorn Leghorn, which is completely brilliantly apposite. He's so dumb he thinks a Mexican border pays rent. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? Very good.
1: Because he doesn't understand how to be a normal human, Trump shouldn't talk to children. On Christmas Eve, a seven-year-old kid called NORAD, the government organisation that helps kids track Santa when they're not detecting incoming missiles. As a fun publicity stunt, the kid was put through to the White House to talk to Trump, who proceeded to ask the kid if she still believed in Santa, following this up by saying, because at seven it's kind of marginal, right? Look, you can put kids in cages, (laughs) take healthcare away from millions of Americans and threaten nuclear-capable dictators with itchy trigger fingers, but never question a seven-year-old's belief in Santa.
0: In what must be the most perfectly executed backhanded insult, because you have the right to have a Secretary of Defence whose views are better aligned with yours, I believe it's right for me to step down from my position. Jim Mattis joined recent escaping adults John Kelly and Rex Tillerson in an exact reversal of the Christmas story. The three wise men have gazed upon the mewling puking, swaddled Satsuma man-baby, taken their gifts and hightailed it from the West Wing, in the sure and certain knowledge that no one will have any faith in it, even if it ever
1: grows up. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this year. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, find us on Twitter at fallacious trump or email us on pod at fallaciousTrump.com.
0: If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com
1: slash ftrump. You can connect with us and with other listeners in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump, where we'll post some links to some of the stuff we talked about.
0: All music is by The Outburst and with used with permission. So until next time and next year on Fallacious Trump, We'll leave the last Christmassy word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!